Have you ever wondered, what am I good at? I mean, sitting back and thinking, what am I really good at? It's a hard question to answer, isn't it? But if we ask ourselves, what aren't I good at? Usually the answer can flow much more freely because we really are harder on ourselves than we should be. Hey everyone, it's Catherine Lucadu and welcome to Mindset Medicine. So today we are going to take a look. We're going to dive into a little bit of business, but I like to take things with a different perspective. I like to look at things through a different lens, not necessarily out of theory, but more practically. What can we use from our experience in life and bring it into business? So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be talking about the SWOT analysis. Now, some of you may have heard of this. It's widely used across businesses right now. I know the first time I heard about it, I was in university and I really, to be quite honest, did not pay much attention to it. It's S-W-O-T. So what is a SWOT analysis? Well, it is the way that organizations and businesses and business owners can develop a full awareness of all the factors in making business decisions. And if they need to change something in their business, they're told to go back and do a SWOT analysis. So what does SWOT actually stand for? It stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And the reason that we want to look at that is because we want to see the internal factors. So within us, what are the strengths and weaknesses that we have within us that will either propel us forward or hold us back? And then we look at the external factors out in society and ask ourselves, okay, so what are the opportunities out there? that I can capitalize on and what are the threats that may hinder any of my progress. It was created in the 1960s by Albert Humphrey, who worked for Stanford Research Institute, and he was actually studying why Fortune 500 companies um, why their corporate planning just consistently failed year after year. They just weren't able to manage um, to execute a proper plan. And so he sort of delved into that and took it apart and came up with this SWOT analysis. So what if we looked at the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats for every business, whether it's small or large? And once we do that, then we'll know exactly what we've got in front of us and we can deal with it. So today, I'm only going to talk about the first part. And so this is going to be like a four-part podcast. And we're going to talk about strengths today. We're going to talk about weaknesses next time, and then opportunities, and then threats. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to take you back because our strengths um, – 
are not just things that we learned in school necessarily, or maybe they did, but it's not just business related now. I believe that we have two types of strengths. I think that we have inner strength that we learn from when we're a child. And I believe we have core strengths or character strengths that would have developed from our inner strength, if that makes sense to you. So we know how easy it is to concentrate on our flaws and overestimate how great our strengths are. But in thinking about this, before I started you know, gathering my thoughts and doing this today, I thought of two stories that are actually very similar to each other, except that they're 21 years apart. So here's the first one. From the age of, let's say, around nine or 10, basically grade four to grade eight, I was heavily into sports. I did every sport imaginable. I'm the first child. Maybe my father thought that uh, I was like his first boy. So I did a lot of sports. I've done every sport under the sun. And in grade school, I would try out for every team that would come up. Now, I really wasn't particularly talented, but I always wanted to try. So cross-country running, this was introduced to me in grade four, which means I was around nine or ten. Now, the interesting thing about cross-country running is that it takes a lot of endurance you have to really be disciplined to hang in there and run your two miles when you're nine and 10 years old, because really at that age, that's not what you want to be doing. But I did. I tried out and I really wanted to make that team because the cool kids were on that team. So I tried out. Maybe the teacher felt sorry for me. I don't know. But I managed to make the team. So cross-country running here in Canada was usually, if I remember correctly, um, springtime, early spring. So it was still pretty cool outside. And the, the whole point of cross-country running is that you run on trails, you run on parks. Some of it is done on asphalt roads, depending on where it's being done. So back 21 years ago, the first time I started there was a university that had just been built. And those of you who are listening that are in Toronto was called York University. Now, this university had a large entrance that had a median down the middle. And we were told to run that whole circuit so that it would eventually equal to the two miles. So we practiced after school every day. And, you know, my father really wanted me to just keep on it and keep on it. I realized uh, after practicing that I really didn't like this sport very much because it took a lot out of you. I was exhausted every time I would finish running and I didn't quite understand how to do it. I didn't understand the breathing techniques that you had to do to be able to endure running. You know, you've got little legs at the age of nine. So I did it and I, I made it to the semifinals at York University, where we all had to run. There were a hundred kids ready to run. And, you know, the gun went off 
we all start running. And of course, you start running really, really fast and you try and keep that up. Well, that race, I think I probably came fifth last. So around 95 out of 100. Obviously, I was more deflated, but what I could hear was my father out on the sidelines shouting, come on, Catherine, you can do this. And so I just kept running and running and running. And I remember at the age of nine thinking, I just have to do this. I have to finish this race. And so that's what I did. So that was in grade four. That was my first experience with cross-country running. I then tried out for it every single year until grade eight, until primary school was over. I made the team every year. Again, maybe he felt sorry for me, but it's what I did. And every year I got a little better. I realized by grade eight that if I were to practice on the weekends during cross-country season and learn how to breathe properly, learn how to use my arms and so on, maybe I could actually get better and move up the chain of runners until I could get somewhere close to the top. Winning wasn't so much my priority, but I probably wanted to make my father proud. And I probably was doing it just to figure out if I could do it. So here's what happened. We had our final race. We had actually made it to the finals of the cross-country meet for our school. This was now going to be done at High Park, which is a very uh, well-known park in Toronto. It's huge. And this particular course was going to take us up and down hills on wood chips, on grass, on gravel, and it was going to be about five kilometers, so probably close to three miles, but it was, of course, up and down terrain. I was ready. I was even told that if I suck on a sugar cube when the race begins, it will give me a spark of energy. So they lined us all up. Again, there were about 100 of us. I was remember remembering my technique and all my practicing, and in my head, I was going to do this. So the gun went off and we started running. And I remembered that if I you run quickly at the beginning so that you can get yourself a position, but then you have to pace yourself. You've got to breathe and you don't look behind you ever. Only straight ahead, because the second you look behind you at whoever is following you, it will take you off course. So that's what I did. I just kept running. By the time we came around the bend toward the end, I could see my father. I could hear him yelling, come on, Catherine, come on, Catherine, you can do it. I crossed the finish line. And lo and behold, I came third out of a hundred kids. So what's interesting about this story is I hadn't really gone through something physically like that, where I pushed myself to my limits just to see what I could do. So 21 years later, I was 33 and I had a massive heart attack and I had triple bypass surgery. So, which is open heart surgery. It's a long surgery. I was in the hospital for two weeks and then I was released. 
I didn't realize that after such a surgery, your body resets. So you can't actually walk or function properly after it. And the rehabilitation, it usually takes about three months to really get back on your feet and somewhat feel like normal. So there I was, I was home for two weeks. My father flies out to Cyprus because I was living in Europe at the time. So he flies out to Cyprus to visit me. And I was not in a good state. I was not going on daily walks. I was, um, it was just too hard. It was January. It was cold. It was windy. I was struggling to walk even five steps without being breathless. So he comes and the first morning I'm sitting on the couch and he comes down and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here. He's like, no, no, you're not going to sit here. I said, well, what do you mean? I'm tired. He's like, no, you're going to get up and we're going to go outside and we're going to walk all the way down the road and we're going to walk back up again. And I said, I can't do this. He said, oh, no, you can do it. All right. So put on your jacket, get your shoes on and we're going to walk. And he said, I don't care how long it takes us, but we are going to walk down to the bottom of the road and we're going to walk back up again. So that first day we walked down. It was a struggle. I was upset. I don't even remember if I started crying, but I probably did because I was breathless and he kept stopping. He said, fine, stop, take a breath. And then we're going to continue. And we did that twice a day, every day for the week, week and a half that he was with me. Well, after that time, I was up on my feet. I needed someone to help me get back on my feet, give me my strength back or remind me that I had that strength within me. So... Why am I telling you these stories? Because our strength comes from within us. So often we overlook the fact that we have been through things from young ages until now. And we overlook the fact when it feels like it's easy for us. That's a strength of yours. We overlook the fact that we may be good at some things, naturally really good at them. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something physical like the running I was talking about or art or whatever. Sometimes it's just your mindset that you're really good at. You're resilient. You can bounce back from things. That is a strength. So to help you think about what to include in your SWOT analysis for your business, when we talk about strengths, here are some questions I'd like you to consider. Ask yourself, what am I good at? What am I proud of myself for? What have others complimented me about? What projects and tasks excite me and spark my energy? Which activities make me feel alive? What are my hobbies? Do I even have any? What motivates me when I feel like giving up? So those are things that I'd like you to think about because we all have strengths, but sometimes we find them harder to determine because we focus on our flaws and we overestimate how great 
our strengths are. And I want to end with this quote because I really love it. Strength doesn't come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. Thank you so much for listening and tune in to the next Mindset Medicine. And we're going to talk about weaknesses. Bye for now.